Welcome to this edition of ACN Conversations, a media resource of the Association of Christian Nonprofits. I'm Doug Leslie. This this next question is for both of you, and you guys can um, banter about and and kind of speak to it as you see fit. As a ministry leader, there comes a point, there comes an aha moment, uh, so to speak, in every ministry leader's life where they realize that they have to stop being the follower and become a torchbearer of their own. So you're either going to step up to the plate and carry the torch, or you're going to kind of meander in the background for the rest of your days. And so um, when did that moment hit you? that the leadership mantle of carrying the torch that you needed to accept that reality and invest into it? Well, I'll go first being older. Uh, I don't remember that as something I came up to. I remember that I had had wanted, did uh, commit myself to the Lord. I had no understanding at that time of what that might mean or where it might lead. All I know is my life changed. I was at camp as a counselor with Christian kids and all. I I wasn't even saved when I went. So this was like an epiphany to me. And so I came home and I sat at the table with my mom and dad, dad, mom, and the ministry course. And I said, you know, I am going to go in the ministry. And they looked at me like they'd been hit by a club because I had had no uh, inclination of being a Christian. Well, I went to church five times a week, but and so they took that to be Christianity, which it was not. Right. Uh, so I told them, I, I, I've become a Christian. I'm going to ministry. They about fell off their chairs. They were in stone, stone silence for about uh, 30 seconds. And I said, furthermore, I'm going to go to Gordon College where you guys went, and I'm going to apply for that. Well, they just sat there in happy stone glee, uh, <laughs> not saying anything except just silence. So I applied for at Gordon College. Uh, the war was over. Uh, GI Bill, uh, there were 110 military guys were joining at the same time going to school. That was the beginning. At uh, Gordon College, I just knew I had to go in the ministry. Well, where and what and how, I didn't know. But I know one thing, I got to go in the ministry. That's really nice. Hey, I, I want to interject one more. One, I'm sorry, Lincoln, to interrupt you here before you start yeah. going. Um, I just wanted to draw the parallel between your dad's life and your life. So your dad was a counselor at a Christian camp without knowing yeah. the Lord. Yeah, and correct. You were going to go to seminary without knowing the Lord. Uh, yes. So <laughs> well, we're, we're good unbelievers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I never heard it put that way, just as you just put it, but that's interesting. <laughs> I'm just saying, Lincoln, you waited because you're following your dad's footsteps. Yeah. He, he laid yeah. it out for you. So I, it's an interesting parallel. That's all I'm saying. It's funny. Yeah. To, no, yeah. no, I thought of that. He was 22. I was three more years stubborn. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, he, I, he was 19. I was 22. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but. You're serving in ministry without being saved. That's what that's what's hilarious to me. So yeah, yeah. So okay. Um, so back to the, to the question yeah. at hand. And I knew that was that was the aha that came at that point, and that one lasted eight years. Uh, the last two or three of those years, and you were involved, I think. Then Doug, right. maybe we our, our youth ministry took on a pretty strong missions emphasis, and we were doing quite a few short-term mission teams, and and you were on some of those. Um, 
And that was a natural next aha for me of stepping into the role of missions pastor. The church was growing. The missions ministry needed full-time oversight, and so I was the first missions pastor to step into that role and uh, held that for 10 years. And then, you know, then, then the next aha was God's leading us to Phoenix and our nine years there. And then, and then another aha, back to Omaha, plant another church. And then I guess the last aha has been now step up to life. Which was surprising to me, Doug, because I always thought I would be a church guy. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm a church guy. I am. Um, and so to be involved with a resource ministry for the church is a little different role than I thought I would be in. But all the years, uh, 35 years or whatever it was, total in the church, uh, in various roles, and I joke with people that I've had every role that anybody can have <laughs> in a local church except women's ministry director. Right. Um, and music director. <laughs> That we did lead worship for eight years, so. <laughs> oh, that's right. He did worship. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, uh, yeah, but I think all those years really equipped uh, equipped me to now be in the role I'm in, working yeah. alongside and with churches. So I, I deeply love and appreciate the local church, and I deeply love and appreciate the parachurch um, and everything that they bring to the table. Yeah, is it safe to say um, that at every step, and you can call it an aha or, or a step or however you want to call that, we would phrase it and, and title it, but there's a deepening um, influence in your circles at every level. And so um, when you stepped into Antioch Network and then when you stepped back into the church and then the, into Step Up to Life, did you see those deepening, broadening kind of roots continuing to, to flex themselves? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, somebody, somebody gave me a word from the Lord once and they were like, you know, I see this tree and the roots are going out further and further and deeper. And it's like, I really hadn't thought of that a whole lot until you just said that. But yes, I think every experience we have, uh, if we're, if we're faithful and if we're as obedient as we can be, the roots do go deeper, they go wider, our experience base builds. Uh, and I've, I've always said this, Whatever we're doing, it's valid ministry for today, and we're very aware of that because it's what we're doing, but it's also uh, very valuable training for what's tomorrow, and we often don't know what that's going to be, but we look back then, when we get old enough, we can look back during those seasons and see God's faithfulness, and we can see the preparation stage by stage for whatever the next stage was. So here I am landed as the director of Step Up Life, and I know that everything I've done in the past 35 years in ministry has been preparation for today. And it's one of those things where, um, and I remember when you first took it on, and and we sent an email, congratulations, and I thought, you know, it's one of those things that you can never plan for, um, and you can never think, oh, this is where I'm headed, but mm-hmm. when you're when you step into the role in an obedient, it's like all everything aligns of what's happened the previous twenty years of your life. Right. That's well and, said. You just know that you know that it's the, it's the peace that surpasses understanding and you know. And mm-hmm. nobody else quite understands it, but it doesn't really matter because you're there and you're happy <laughs> and you're yeah. and obedient, yeah. right? Right, right. Yeah, no, this is a great season. I feel like uh, it's, that, it's that point where everything, everything you've done comes together, yeah. right? so good. Uh, and boom, uh, this is just finally some... Not just finally. I mean, every season has its sweetness and its challenges, obviously. Right. But uh, this is a pretty sweet season in terms of uh, doing what I love to do, doing what uh, experience and what the Lord has equipped me to do. So yeah. it's, it's great. 
That's fantastic. All right, Pastor, let's get into Step Up to Life and that development. Um, believe it or not, we're halfway through, and I want to make sure we get plenty of, of time devoted to the ministry itself. Pastor, in 1954, you, you gave the message that was based on Steps to, Sal- Steps to Salvation. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, you're uh, looking at the original copy. <laughs> Only once in my life, the first 20 years of ministry, did I ever type up my notes and give it to the congregation. Okay. Nobody did that then. It's all bad now. <laughs> that back was my then, nobody question. did anything. That was my question. I'm looking How at did the original. It... Go ahead. Why? Why did you do that? What, what I have no you... idea. I, I'm looking at the copy now. I turn it out. Uh, you're too young. God bless you. I turn it out on a mimeograph machine. And those cursed things have fortunately <laughs> gone on their way. Because uh, enough to lose your sanctification every Saturday night before you try to turn out the church bulletin on Sunday for Sunday morning. It's an abomination of the desolation. But I still have a copy of the original one right there to prove that I was sanctified. Well, I passed them out to the church. I never I never had passed anything before, and I never passed anything out for 20 years thereafter. So in the grace of God, one of these copies wow. fell somewhere into a Bible. I found it, oh, I don't know, 25 years later. And my secretary came along and said, you have got to frame this thing. I said, go ahead, baby. I didn't call her baby. Yes. Go ahead. And uh, so she put together a collage of that with maybe like 20 copies that had, uh, had come into different versions in different languages by then. It's sitting here on my wall, which was a very kind of Lord to save, quote, quote, that thing wherever it was hiding, I didn't know, but there it is. Okay, so I guess that's the question at hand. You handed it out, and yep. for, for and under no unction of your own, it got translated? Well, what it? happened was I once I came across it, and I was preaching all the message of that page, piece of paper. That's old, you know, it's that, that old, uh, the, the kind of paper you was in had like wood in it, you know. It is really old. It was Abraham, you know. You let Lincoln describe what it looks like. It looks like it came from Gutenberg's press. But in any event, it's there. And I, I thought, well, I, I need to put this in the hands of the people. So I turned out a copy on that Saturday night on the mimeograph and gave it out to people and never did anything with it for 25 years after that. Oh, except I passed that out. And so there it is. Well, Finally, uh, they kept telling me, you've got to put this in print. You gotta, I said, okay, I don't have time to put it in print. They said, yeah, you got it. Well, finally, uh, they horsed me into it. And in, uh, in about 1968 or 71, uh, I was in a church. I was at the church. I was going to have an evangelistic campaign. I said, well, I, I, you know, I need to get something in. And they tried to, I'll be open with you, they tried to give me uh, four spiritual laws, which I did not like because it had no repentance in it. And uh, so... I, uh, I told the guys, you guys have to put some repentance in this track. It's a good track otherwise. Well, they didn't. They did later. So if I, I said, well, look, let me, I got something in my heart. I told the church, let, let me see what I can put together. Well, I put together f- from that old beat-out copy, Step Up to Life, in its first f- green form. I thought this came right off Mount Sinai. We'll never <laughs> change it. And, of course, I'm looking at 25 different copies on the wall right now. So that was the beginning, uh, and it's... Um, by God's grace, gone to 52 or three languages now. Yeah, and that's, the, you know, we have, we have a little office here in Elkhorn, uh, which is not, not the Big Apple, you know. No, right. Well, it's close. <laughs> it's the big, 
It's a big summer. You can see it from here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's people are picking up and saying, hey, I, can I use this? I said, yeah. Then a missionary would say, hey, I'd like to put this in my language. I said, go ahead. So it, it took on a life of its own without promotion. It yeah. just took on, if some guy wanted to print it, I'd say, fine, you do, here's your translation, do this, da-da-da-da-da-da, and check back with me. And so it just grew. I grew legs in life of its own, and then they would check back with me, and I said, make sure you got three guys checking the translation, make sure this, make sure that, and then, and then send me some copies when you're done for the archives. Right. So they kept sending me copies. And it just spread organically from there. Yeah, it just went on its own. It developed a life of its own. <clears throat> at what point? At what point did you think we need to put structure around this thing? Um, well, uh, structure in the sense you mean organizational. Organizational structure, right? Well, I, I'm trying to think. I, I was in the pastor, so the church quote church was my structure while I was in the church. So I always had a church I was in, pastoring and using that material in that church and having them pay to print it and so forth and so on. Well, when I got uh, through pastoring, here I am, and we've got uh, a step-up-to-life uh, element a booklet that's become a, had taken out a life of its own, though I never pushed it or promoted it as such. It was available, and I tell people about it. Uh, but then when I got through pastoring, uh, by then it was in how many languages, I don't know, needed a little bit of oversight. After all, you're in different countries in the world, and people want to know, can they do this, can they do that? And so it developed a life of its own, and we had people who were as enthusiastic about it as I am, and they became the Step Up to Life board. Uh, they, then one guy put down a, a half a million bucks to buy the building we're in, and he became a chief supporter of it, and that's and then the rest is history. Did you? Did, I can I can only imagine what's going on in your brain and your soul when this is all kind of flying together. Um, <clears throat> did it just catch you completely off guard in terms of the level of impact that Step Up to Life would have? Well, I never, I never thought of it as spreading it around. My original, uh, the, the original birth of it was that the church I was in, which was the Omaha Gospel Tabernacle, was going to have an evangelistic campaign, and I said, well, find them all for that. And they said that we need some literature, we're going to use it, and I'll be kind with you and kind with everybody. Uh, and uh, they wanted to use a certain piece of literature, and I said, well, look, look, look I, it doesn't have any repentance, let me do it. So I wrote for the first time, Step Up to Life, the green and black copy and white and put repentance in it and that was the beginning of the whole and just, deal and it just happened and it just kind of grew well yeah from there once i got that i was i just started using the church well then i'd see my pastor friends and say here maybe this will help you guys take a look at yeah. it so it began to pick up and i as i had meetings or whatever i say here maybe this will help you but yeah. i had no great big promo campaign i had no staff i had no nothing i just distributed to fellow pastors or missionaries as the case may be as they crossed my life and i crossed theirs lincoln as executive director current executive director it's a huge legacy yeah to take up because it's not and it's one of those legacies that is not you know some big organizational push it's just a gospel impact that's already international and it had nothing to do with him he just he just spread internationally and so you pick up the reins two or three years ago of this, yeah. <laughs> this international environment 
Can, yeah. Where, where are you today? And how did, how did that feel yeah. stepping into that? And what's, the, you know, what's, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I was, of course, watching this happen, you know, over the years as I was doing my ministry thing, often in conjunction with that, uh, formally as in the same church, but then going over through a period of about a decade where we were separate, but still connected, um, but in doing our own thing. And then, um, then when we planted All Nations Omaha, of course, he started coming. My mom and I started coming to that church, and so it was. It's been a, it's been an interesting, um, slow roll reversal, where he was my boss and he was my pastor, and then I was his pastor, and now I'm his boss. <laughs> so, and boy, it's not been easy, I'll tell you. <laughs> Um, so I was observing all this, you know, as it was unfolding, and uh, I jumped on the board. I was a board member even when we lived in Phoenix, so I'd get on conference calls for the board meetings and stuff. So I started tracking much more, much more closely in the early 2000s, um, but I never had a thought that I would be in the role I'm in. I always thought I'd be a church guy. Uh, but here I am, and, um, and it's great. I don't know if we've, if we've even stated really the, the, the core resource. We have a lot of different ones, but the core resource, this little booklet, states these five steps, and they're simply unconcerned. Everybody starts there, uh, not caring about God, Christ, or spiritual things. Then God wants to bring them to the second step, which is concerned, where they're aware of their spiritual need. They're still lost, but it's a very different step than being completely unconcerned. They're, they're concerned, they're asking questions, they're seeking answers. That leads then to the third step, which is conviction, um, and that's when a person knows they've sinned, and their sins bother them. Everybody out there knows they've sinned, but not everybody out there is under conviction. So conviction is when they know they've sinned and their sins bother them. That then leads to repentance, uh, and then the final step, the fifth step, is saving faith. And so those are the five steps that we have found, uh, just the visual, we, we have them laid out in a, in a staircase. Uh, just that visual has been unbelievably helpful for people to look at it, understand the five steps and say, oh, okay, so I'm right here. One of the things I love about Step Up to Life, the booklet, is that it takes all the pressure off of me as the one trying to share the gospel because it's a, um, it's a self-identification tool. I show them the steps, and I don't tell them where they are. They tell me. I don't tell them the next step that they need to take. They tell me. And so, um, yeah, that, that takes all the pressure off, and it makes it very easy on me. I just share the booklet, share the steps, and they, they do the rest. And so just, just a minute on that, just to say this is, that's the heart, that's the skeletal, uh, solid skeleton of the booklet. Of course, there's, there's a lot of other things brought in, but um, those are the five steps in step staircase form, which makes it very easy. Uh, also, as Dad has mentioned, he mentioned the emphasis on repentance, which is mentioned 55 times in the New Testament, John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, you name it, uh, preached it. Um, Also, uh, I think a unique thing about Step Up to Life is it touches on somewhat of the character of God, because if you're sharing sharing the Lord with somebody and they use the word God, who knows what they're thinking when you say God? So we bring out three important character uh, traits of um, God. Talk about that. Uh, Also, the evangelistic use of the Ten Commandments is something that we find is missing in so many gospel presentations. Um, Romans 3.20, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so as the law is presented to them, of course the law is written on their heart, but as you show them the Ten Commandments and you ask them, have you ever broken any of these? 
uh, wow, then they start to think about the fact that maybe they're not so good. Everybody's trying to get to heaven by being good. And so the law just devastates them and shows them that mm-hmm. they are not good. And so that's a strong emphasis in Step Up to Life, and we have found that to be incredibly helpful also. Talk to us a few minutes, Lincoln, about what you see currently. Uh, Doug, may I people... interrupt you for a minute? Forgive me sure. for interrupting you. I know that uh, the, the two things that separates this track is, number one, a solid presentation of repentance. And I went down to the Christian bookstore, good 10th largest Christian bookstore uh, in America. I checked 60-some evangelistic tracks. I found maybe three even mentioned the word repentance. None of them explained it, and none of them applied it. The second thing it does, it mentions and, and shows that part of salvation is the required lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not selling hell insurance policies. I used to, do, for 10 years, I sold hell insurance policies. Believe and go to heaven. Don't believe and go to hell. Everybody go to heaven. Here we go. Fine. It's good for you. Okay. But... They wanted the, they wanted the heaven without the the uh, conditions to go to get to heaven. So this revised the quality of the gospel that's in the New Testament, which I had quote overlooked. Uh, that repentance and lordship is part. Just it's not some super duper gospel. It's just plain uh, ABC. But I had not noticed, or certainly didn't emphasize anything of the ABC. So that had to be incorporated as part of the gospel that Jesus preached and soundly uh, required uh, in, in lordship and following Him, even if it meant your life. Now this is not the deeper life. This is my deal. The big epiphany of the aha moment was to. Re- Realize that Christ's deeper life was not for deeper life conferences at a at a Bible conference. That it was part of his ABC uh, street side enlistment program. Uh, that just blew me away because I began to see that the ABCs of the gospel had to include the lordship of repentance and the lordship of Christ even to and including the loss of your own life. And I am not talking a deeper life. I'm talking life. Well, this absolutely revised, and, I, and this was not done in a moment. It took me about uh, nine months to reevaluate my method and the gospel I was preaching in the light of Christ's message, Christ's method, for me to make those changes with fear and trembling, lest I become a heretic. But the more I studied, the more it was there, the more I saw it. Then I also found great men like Finney and others in that era preached the same thing. So the company got better the more I studied it. But at first, it was a very uh, tremulous thing for me, but the scriptures kept confirming it, and therefore, I came step up to life. How did did it affect your church? Well, number one, it raised... Number one, it's raised the quality level of your convert. For one thing, it's very easy and very hard for anybody to commit themselves to Christ in an easy believism fashion when you present the conditions our Lord laid down. That's why he didn't have much easy believism converts behind him. They either got in or they got out, they died or they got saved or did something. Because this, this, this is a life and death thing. Now, you come after me, fine, I'll give you eternal life, I'll forgive you your sins, I'll take you to heaven, I'll answer your prayers, and oh, by the way, this may cost you your life if you follow me. You still want to come? And that's in the, the ABC gospel. That's not some deeper life thing. I believe the deeper life and teach it, but that's the foundation of New Testament gospel. That was an epiphania that changed my entire life in ministry. Mm. 
And so with that kind of background, Lincoln, as you travel the world um, and are training um, field workers, pastors, other Christian leaders around the world, what kind of impact are you seeing this have internationally? Yeah. Well, let me let me just give you two quick uh, vignette stories on that. Um, a year or two ago, I was in Nicaragua, and I was training pastors uh, for a morning. I had them for a morning, and uh, I was training them through our Step Up Life seminar. And uh, about two-thirds of the way through, one of them raised their hand and said, can I tell you a story? I said, sure. So he said, we had an international evangelist come through here uh, a year or two ago, and the whole country was excited because this was a really big-name guy. Probably everybody's heard of him, but I won't use his name. So he he came in and, you know, hundreds of churches were part of this thing across the country mm-hmm. and they had the biggest stadium and they did the multi-night thing. And at the end of every night, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of hands went up to accept Jesus. Well, this guy, this pastor that was in my seminar, he said that he was given 300 cards. You know, you raise your hand and then you fill out the card. He was given 300 cards of people in his region that had raised their hand in these crusades. That he was to follow them up, disciple them and integrate them into his church. Then he said this to everybody in my seminar, guess how many people out of the 300 were interested in follow-up discipleship and integration into the church? And there was kind of a hushed silence. And then he said, zero. We could not find one person that was interested. So I said, okay, is that a problem? Well, everybody, of course, nodded their head yes. I said, number two, let me ask you this. What is the problem? And so I say it this way, Doug, Step Up to Life exists to try to, as best we can, solve that problem. Some of it is in the message and some of it is in the method. Both are important. You have to have a full New Testament message, the message of Jesus. This, what did he say when he said, if you want to come after me, you must what? But then also the methodology that's used often nowadays it can be very faulty and unwise. So I thank that pastor. I said, thank you so much for that, for that uh, story, because this illustrates why we're here together for the morning. You've been listening to the ACN Conversations, a ministry of the Association of Christian Nonprofits. To hear the full conversation or more clips, visit our website at www.christiannonprofits.org and click on resources. Until next time, I'm Doug Leslie.